you're listening to the Pomerado Christian Church Sermon Podcast. Thank you for spending time with us today. If you're a weekly listener, welcome back. If this is your first time, we're so glad you're here and hope you consider subscribing. If you're in your car, on a run, doing things around the house, or working out, and want to connect even further and take next steps with us, visit pomerado.info. Now, enjoy this week's message. Hey, good to be back. Wow, glad to be here. Uh, We're praying for JP and all the kids who are on their way to Hume Lake. My guess is they're somewhere around Bakersfield, which is somewhere around 110 degrees or something ridiculous like that, but they're gonna have a great time. And I get to share with you today from the book of Philippians, one of my favorites. How many of you love the book of Philippians? Well, you gotta raise your hand when the pastor asks that, right? No, there's so many good things in there. So um, glad to be sharing with you. Um, And he he assigned me a pretty good chunk of passage, but um, I think I can narrow it down to a key point that we all need. I think the best way to start though, is let me give you some background information about how we got the book of Philippians and what are some of the issues in there. So let me do it like this. Let me just uh, uh, act out a little scenario. I'll, have, I'll be two different people. A leader of the church knocking at the door of one of the members of the Philippian church. It's about 60 AD in the city the Roman colony of Philippi. And one of the elders of the church comes knocking at the door. Hey, good to see you again. I haven't seen you in a while. Oh yes, I have to admit, I missed a lot of Sundays. But you know what? With all the persecution going on, it's getting scary out there. And besides that, there's so much arguing going on. I mean, you know, you have the, the Jewish believers who want to do church the Jewish way. And you have all of those military guys who want to run the church like the military. And then, then you have the old timers who want to go back to the river where they used to have the prayer meetings back at the beginning. I'm just getting tired of all the arguing. Well, look, we really want to see you next Sunday. Guess who's back? Who's back? Well, it's not me. Uh, Who's back? I don't know. Epaphroditus is back. Epaphroditus, I heard he died. And by the way, what happened to all that money that we donated? No, he didn't die. He almost died. He was really sick, but he recovered. And all of that money we donated, he delivered to Paul. But... Instead of staying and helping Paul while he's under house arrest, Paul decided to send him right back. Send him right back? After taking, what, a month and a half to travel to Rome? And Paul just sends him back? Well, he's bringing a letter. An apostolic letter? Well, it's from the Apostle Paul. Oh, okay. I'll be there. By the way, those two women, Euodia and Syntyche, 
are they both going to be there? Funny you should mention that. Because Epaphroditus, when he sent me around getting everyone to come, he said, be sure that Euodia and Syntyche are there. Okay, I'll be there too. I just hope another fight doesn't break out. All right. Does that tease you a little bit about what's going on in Philippi? So there's a, a lot in the passage that I was assigned. But... The one verse that really got my attention is chapter 2, verse 25, where Paul says, I find it, it is necessary for me to send back to you Epaphroditus. It is necessary for me to send back to you Epaphroditus. You see, evidently, not only were the Philippians concerned about what they heard about Epaphroditus, that he got so sick. But when he got to Rome and told Paul what was going on in Philippi, then Paul was concerned about what they needed to change. So he sent back Epaphroditus all that way, carrying the apostolic letter that we call the book of Philippians. Now, with that kind of background, I would like to say to you something. Well, let me put it this way. Whatever the leader of the church said the day that they were reading the book of Philippians, whatever he said, I'm sure it was different than what I'm about to say. Because what I'm about to say is, Turn to Philippians chapter 2, verses 19 to 30. He didn't say that. First of all, they didn't have chapters and verses until 15 centuries later. But also because you know they read the whole thing. And they probably reread it and reread it. And then passed it on to others. But here I am saying to you, Let's turn to Philippians chapter 2, verses 19 to 30. Now, um, um, you might be concerned about the outline. If you have one of the paper outlines, you don't, I don't have a hundred things to say. I don't have a bunch of blanks to fill in. But I know some of you like to fill in blanks. Really, all I have is one important truth that I think we should all remember. And I can say it in just three alphabet letters. The letter P, the letter D, and the letter G. If you can remember those three letters, then you have an important lesson from this passage today. So if you have an outline, actually the letters are doubled. So up in the upper right-hand corner, Make it like a double-digit uh, addition program, like, you know, 22 plus 33 equals 55, all right? Only their letters. P, P, D, D equals G, G, all right? By the time we're done today, you should remember what that stands for and why it's so important for us every day. P, P plus... D, D equals G, G. Now, let's 
Oh, if you don't have an outline, I want you to remember this. So get out your phone and send yourself a text. P-P-D-D-G-G. Send. So you'll remember it. Now, if you don't have a phone, and if you don't have a paper outline, and if you are more visually inspired, then let me give it to you this way. Here's what I want you to remember. PP. DD. GG. Got it? All right, it's that simple. But it really is profound. All right, we're going to read chapter 2, verses 19 to 30. And you know, uh, when I was a kid, we would all stand up during a reading of God's word. We're going to do that in a minute, uh, if you can and if you're able. But I want to give you some more background information. Because in chapter 2, verse 25, Paul says, it's necessary for me to send back Epaphroditus. So he's concerned about what's going back What's going on in Philippi? And if you read the letter all the way through and start looking for the hints, you can see that there's two big issues going on in the Philippian church. They had a lot of fear, and they had a lot of disunity. Now, I have a list up on the screen where, uh, you, where you get this idea if you're reading carefully, but let me read the whole verse. You, what you'll see is just a small list. So let me read some of what's going on in Philippi. So there's the fear problem. Chapter 1, verse 14. I dare you all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Chapter 1, verse 20. Paul says, I will not be ashamed. I will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ may be exalted in my body, whether by life or death. He says, I'm not afraid. I have courage. You need to have courage. Chapter 1, verse 21. For me to live is Christ. To die is gain. What are you worried about? What are you afraid of? Chapter 1, verse 27. Stand firm without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. Chapter 2, verse 8. Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Chapter 2, verse 30. And here's Epaphroditus. Only two places that we read about him, both in the book of Philippians. Epaphroditus almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help that you yourselves could not give me. And how about this one? Chapter 4, verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything. So do you think Paul's trying to hammer something home with the Philippians? There's fear going on. And there's also a lot of arguing, a lot of disunity. Let me give you some examples from the book of Philippians, chapter 1, verse 15. It's true, some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry. Why do Christians do that? I don't know. Chapter 1, verse 17. Some preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. Chapter 1, verse 27. 
Stand firm in the one spirit. Strive together as one for the faith. Chapter 2, verse 2. Make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one mind. Chapter 2, verse 4. Don't look to your own interest, but look to the interests of others. Chapter 2, verse 14. Do everything without grumbling and complaining. He's getting pretty personal here, isn't he? And in chapter 4, verse 2, I plead with Euodia and Syntyche to be in the same mind in the Lord. We don't know what was going on with those women, but Paul heard about it and he calls them out. So with this in mind now, Paul says, look, I would like to come to you, but I can't. I'd like to send Timothy. I will pretty soon, but he can't come right now. But right now, I'm sending Epaphroditus back, carrying this letter. So let's stand together, if you can and if you will. And we're just going to read this whole passage, chapter 2, verse 19 through 30. And listen as Paul tells him, why are you sending Epaphroditus back and what we need to hear also? I hope, this is verse 19, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I may also be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who takes a genuine interest in your welfare. Everyone looks out for his own interest not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope therefore to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. And I'm confident in the Lord that I may come myself soon. Verse 25, here it is. But I think it necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, fellow soldier, who is also your messenger whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. And indeed he was ill, he almost died. But God had mercy on him and not on him only, but also on me to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I'm all the more eager to send him so that when you see him again, you may be glad and I may have less anxiety. Welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor men like him because he almost died for the work of Christ, risking his life to make up for the help you couldn't give me. May God bless us as we consider his word today. Thank you. You may be seated. So there's so much that could be said, but I really got focused on Paul feels this necessity to send Epaphroditus back, even though it's such a long trip. And he could use some help there. He's in uh, uh, house arrest and needs people to go out and help him bring in things. He certainly appreciated the money that the Philippians sent. But most importantly, I have to send him back. They need to get some things straightened out. 
And what exactly happened? Well, I guess history will tell that story for them, but it'll also tell the story for us. How are we using what God gives us? You know, as I read through this passage, I kept being drawn to this simple principle. We really don't know anything about Epaphroditus except for what is said right here. He's just a plain, ordinary person. But God loves to use plain people. P.P. And God used Epaphroditus to carry back a divine delivery of instruction and encouragement. The book of Philippians. D.D. Divine delivery. And not only has the book of Philippians did it, did it encourage them? It encourages us. And God is able to accomplish a great amount of good through his word. G-G. Plain person, divine delivery equals great good. Now, who was this Epaphroditus? He's just a guy from Philippi. But Paul sends him back with the message. Just a plain, ordinary Philippian carrying a divine message, a divine deliverance of the book of Philippians. And you know they read the whole thing. You know it encouraged them. In fact, I'm sure they read it again and again. And then probably someone said, hey, you know, the believers over in Thessalonica, they should hear this too. Yeah, but let's not give them the original copy. Let's make a copy. So they copied it and sent it to other places. And they made copies of copies. And then when the printing press came out centuries later, then they printed copies of the Bible and the book of Philippians to the point that how many times is this passage spread throughout the world? The Bible's been printed in, we don't even know, three, four, five billion times. And all because Epaphroditus was faithful to deliver it. You see, that's my first example, right from the book of Philippians, that a plain, ordinary Philippian making a divine delivery of hope and encouragement and instruction can do a great amount of good. You're going to meet him someday in heaven. Hey, you're Epaphroditus. I heard about you. I read... You know, wouldn't he be surprised to think that that book of Philippians has been spread around the world billions of times? But you know what? He's probably going to say, well, yeah, that happened to me. But what's your story? How did God use you? Because God uses plain, ordinary people. Making divine deliveries of his grace, his encouragement, his assistance, 
making a divine delivery of a few um, encouraging words to do a great amount of good in this world. So that's my first example. I have a second example. The, um, there was a, there's a woman in London by the name of Lily Ebert who is an Holocaust survivor. She was in Auschwitz and experienced the horrible things that happened there as a Jewish teenager. And she made a promise. If I ever get out of here alive, obviously she did, I will tell the world what happened here so they never forget. And so uh, of all these years, she's been going to schools and classes and uh, places where she can tell about the terrible things that happened at Auschwitz. But when, when COVID came, she couldn't get out and about. Now, she has a great grandson named Dove. Here's a picture of him. This is Dove and Lily. So um, the great grandson, Dove said, Grandma, you know, said great grandma, Grandma, we can post, we can take videos and post them online and you can still tell the story. So they started making TikTok videos and they've gone viral. And in fact, uh, so now there's a book out called Lily's Promise that tells her stories of Auschwitz and it says, holding on to hope through Auschwitz and beyond, a story for all generations as seen on TikTok. Now, one day when they were uh, dove and great grandma were going through papers and pictures and photos, a little piece of paper fluttered to the ground. Grandma, what's this? It was a banknote, a German piece of cash with a few letters written on. What is it? What is this? I've never seen this before. And she said, oh, the day we were liberated from Auschwitz by the Americans, there was a chaplain and his assistant who came to help. And his assistant, by the way, these guys had no idea what they would find there. They had no idea of the horrors that had gone on there until they came and saw and saw these people who were barely alive, including a 16-year-old girl. And that chaplain's assistant was so overwhelmed. He wanted to do something, something to help. And he said, oh, well, maybe I can write her a note. He didn't even have a piece of paper. But oh, I have some cash in my wallet. So he pulls out this German banknote, and there's enough room on the margins to write 10 words. And he wrote 10 words of hope and handed it to her. Grandma, why haven't you showed us this before? Well, it was, I thought it was just for me. You know, I kept it because he was the first man, my whole time at Auschwitz, the first man who gave me any kind of kindness. And it was a note with 10 words of hope. Now, let me read to you what it says. And in the margins of the banknote, it says these 10 words. The start to a new life good luck and happiness. And then at the bottom, he identifies himself as 
the assistant to Chaplain Schachter. And they couldn't even read the scribbling at the top for a while. It wasn't until much later they found out, oh, those are Hebrew letters that gives the guy's name. His name was Hyman Schulman. But they didn't know that at the time. They were looking at this note. Well, Grandma, we need to find this family, whoever this assistant to the chaplain is. Oh, that's been 75 years ago. You're not going to find him. No, Grandma, this is what Dove said. Give me 24 hours and I'll locate him. I'll post it online. She just laughed. Ah, that's never going to happen. So he posted it online. By 8 o'clock in the morning, they had over a million views. And within 24 hours, they located the family. Now, the young man, well, he's not a young man anymore. He had, he had passed away, but his family was so glad to hear this story. Can you imagine... After 75 years, a scribbled note of 10 words of hope, which is now included in this book, which is a New York Times bestseller, 75 years later has spread around the world from this guy. Next picture. Wouldn't he be surprised to find out Hyman Schulman's little note is helping to change the world. But that's just it. God loves to use a plain old private making a divine delivery of a hopeful message to do a great amount of good. So it's also a good book and you can see some of it online. It's just fabulous stories. See, that's what God does. Peep, peep. D-D-G-G. Plain, ordinary people making divine deliveries of hope and grace and help. Maybe it's just a note. It can do a great amount of good. Oh, I have a third example. Just yesterday in the mail, I got a newsletter from Larry Bubb. He's a local um, musician and artist and evangelist. And I loved what he said in his newsletter. And I thought, I'm going to use this tomorrow. It'll be my third example. Because, uh, well, this is what he says. He goes around giving retreats, does a lot of work with youth. He said, um, all right, where does it go? I think I'm on the wrong page. I was, at, I was giving, I was leading a snow retreat for a church group many years ago near Lake Tahoe. And a man from the church had paid for anyone in the public high school to attend for free. And 13 kids took him up on that offer. And quite a few of those kids made decisions to follow Christ. They, they accepted Christ after I had made a presentation and sang a song that I had written. A few years later, I was training some summer missionaries from all across the country. And one came up to tell me this story. He told me he had been one of those 13 students that I at, at, had at the retreat. But he didn't make a decision for Christ at that time. He said the experience was so intense and emotional for him that he didn't want to just respond based on that emotion. But a few days later, he kept thinking about it, and he decided to become a follower of Christ. And now he's at that, that retreat preparing to be a full-time youth pastor. 
because of the song that he presented at the snow retreat. And then Larry Bubb says, I got to tell you about that song. Have you ever felt all alone in a crowd? I did one evening at the church where I was youth pastor for many years ago. I felt like everyone wanted my help, but no one was really interested in me that evening. You know, pastors can get depressed too. I was the last one to leave. I was the one who had to lock up the church. And as I walked across the empty parking lot in the dark over to my car, huh, I noticed there was a greeting card under my windshield wiper and the front said, no matter what you are going through, remember, I'm your friend. So I opened it up to see who it was from and it wasn't signed. For me, at that moment in my life, I felt like God had just sent that card personally to me. And I went home that evening and wrote the song, Your Friend, finishing up in, so, uh, in the fastest I've ever written a song. And that was the very song that made other people respond to Christ. Now, isn't that just amazing? But isn't that just like God? Larry Bubb thought God wrote that note, or at least he said that. I think God used someone else. I think God just loves using a plain, ordinary person, making a divine delivery of some encouragement. I'm your friend. And that can do a great amount of good. All right, I have one last example in case you need any more convincing that God can use us this way. So this one was on Facebook about a week or two ago. The, the man who posted it used to be a kid in the youth group here. So we keep in contact and he, I said, Lynn, you gotta print that story out for me because I'm gonna use it next Sunday. Here it is. Hey friends, I have a very mind-blowing story to tell you. Today, I set out as normal on my, day to, on my day off to go walk the Oceanside Pier. But first, I had to put gas in my car. So I went to my local gas station. I was getting out of my car when I noticed someone coming up to me asking if I could spare some money for gas. He was on a motorcycle and frankly didn't look very honest, if I must say. So I quickly told him, dude, I can hardly pay for my own gas at $6.79 a gallon. I'm sorry. He looked at me and shrugged as if to say, oh, no one will ever give me a break. So I began to pump my gas into my car. Started feeling kind of bad, like I should have handled the situation a little different. And then suddenly I had a feeling inside me to give him what I had in my wallet. Now, it was only $5. But in the back of my head, I thought, well, with a motorcycle, that'll get him a few miles down the road. And then something else came over me. I needed to say something to him. Well, I finished pumping my gas, took out the $5 bill I had in my wallet. I went over to him. And I said, hey, take this. Be good, man. 
And he started to grab the money from my hand, but I held on to the money a moment more and said to him, looking directly into his eyes, be good, man. He took the money and had what I thought was a very heavy-hearted look on his face. Well, I got back in my car and left. I went on down the road to downtown Oceanside, headed to the pier. I enjoy walking on the pier. It gives me a sense of peace and time to get away from the stress of my job. Well, after my walk, I got in my car and decided to do some shopping. So I headed back to the grocery store that I shop at, which is at the same turn I take to get to the gas station. So when I turned the corner and drove by the gas station, I noticed four cop cars around the gas pumps. So I looked around and noticed they were all around a motorcycle. And an investigator was taking fingerprints off the motorcycle. It was the same motorcycle that the guy had with $5. So I got out of my car, baffled, and started to walk up to where the motorcycle was. And I noticed a man and a woman there with the officers. The officers asked me if I needed help because I was interrupting their investigation. So I just asked them, whose motorcycle is this? Well, the guy who was with the lady said, it's mine. It was stolen last night. And the guy who stole it came to my house a half hour ago and told me he was the one that stole it and that he was sorry. The thief left the motorcycle to the gas station after I told him, be good, man. And he went to the house that he had stolen the motorcycle from and asked for forgiveness before he left and left out, went out of sight. <laughs> you just never know how you can impact the world we live in. But I think you do know how. Because God loves to use just plain, ordinary people. Making a delivery of divine $5 bills. And a few words. Or encouragement. Or help. Or a phone call. Or a note in the mail. Or a handshake. Or a tap on their door. And he can use plain people with divine deliveries for doing great good. Now listen, we all get discouraged. Aren't there times you just want to give up? It's not just in Philippi. It's everywhere. Fear, disunity, angry people. But if you want to give up, I have a better idea. Get back. Guess who's back? God is still in the business of using ordinary people to do great things. Now, it's time for us to close in prayer, to take communion, for you to reconnect with God again in a special way. When Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me,
we're supposed to remember how he sacrificed his life and how he expects us to be a part of that team to make a difference in this world. So while you're connecting with him, be open, not just right now, but this whole week, because the principle still applies. You never know what some plain person might do with the divine delivery that'll make a great amount of good. He wants to use you. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for Paul and Timothy. Thank you for Jesus. And Lord, we're looking forward someday to meeting that guy, Epaphroditus. We don't know that much about him, but we know you used him in a great way. And until then, Lord, until that time, we don't want to give up on this world. We don't want to give up on our extended family. We don't want to give up on church. We want to make a difference in any simple little way you can use this. And right now we're doing that by taking this simple bread and this simple cup and remembering what you can do with a life that's given to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast. We want to be a church where people are changed by God to change the world. If you want to partner with us in this way, you can start by doing these two things. The first, if you haven't subscribed to this podcast, you can do that by hitting the subscribe button wherever you're listening so you can stay connected with us and we can broaden our reach. And the second, and this might be the most important thing you do, share this message with someone you know. And as always, remember you are prayed for, cared for, and loved. See you next time.